0: The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: All right, coming down here, at the Disability Law Show. Good to have you along. i John Scholes, your host, and my co-host always, Martin Willems, courtesy Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP. You can always reach out to uh, Martin any time to have a further discussion on your own time off air. And uh, take your time, One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 5900 You can reach out through email, which we've got a pile of to get through, on the show today, help at disabilityrights.ca. I'll give you some more contact uh, information throughout the show, but that's uh, a good place to start with those two anyway. we got uh, all kinds of emails to get through, as I mentioned. And CPP disability, this is a great topic. I know, Martin, you wanted to, uh, to get into this one. We can start right away unless you got a, a week that was or a case of the day you want to get started with, pal. It's all your call. What do you think? I think we're going to get into the CPP
2: disability questions because that seems, and we could probably make that some a form of week of the week because we yeah. get Lots of these during this week and many other weeks.
1: You got it. Let's get into that. The first question, as it pertains to CPP disability, especially if you're not familiar with this topic, this will clear it up for sure. Uh, why do insurers require claimants to apply for CPP disability? What do you think?
2: So the first issue that I should address is what is CPPD? It <clears> is a <throat> Canada Pension Plan disability benefit. So when I speak to people, as you know, we get calls from all over the country, i um, Lots of them would be relation to CPP. And some people have said to me, I understand what Canada Pension Plan is, but I didn't know about this Canada Pension Plan disability benefit thing. So it is a benefit that is paid by the federal government. You apply to Service Canada and they adjudicate the claim. Why do insurance companies, in other words, private insurance companies, want you to apply for CPPD? It is a benefit that quite often is offset from what the long-term disability insurer has to pay you what that means is at some point during the adjudication of your claim if you've been receiving cpp dis- or oh, sorry if you've been receiving long-term disability no. benefits for a period of time there is something called a change of definition in your policy for the most part group policy specifically at some point it may change to You have to provide evidence that you cannot perform the duties of any other occupation for which you have the transferable skills. It's generally at this point where insurers try to get people to apply for CPP disability benefits because these group policies provide that CPP disability benefits and some other benefits but specifically CPP disability benefits are offset from what the insurance company has to pay you. So I'll use an example. If your long-term disability benefit is $3,000 a month and CPP disability is $1,000 a month, the insurance company deducts that and moving forward they will only pay you $2,000 a month. That is why they push people to apply because it is in their financial interest to do so as well. And many policies provide that if you do not apply, if you say, no, I'm not going to apply or if you refuse. then the insurance company can estimate the amount and still deduct it. So it likely is a good idea if it gets to that point that you think you cannot work in any other occupation in addition to your own occupation to consider applying for CPP disability benefits so that you avoid any issues later on.
1: Again, reaching out to Martin, guys, any time to discuss this or any other matter that uh, concerns you when it comes to long-term disability, dealing with that insurance company, right? One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 821 5900 Is there criteria, what are the criteria to qualify for, uh, for CPPD, pal? So
2: there are two different ones. The first one is a financial one, and the other one is a medical one. The financial one is you must have contributed to the CPP plan, in other words, if you're working for an employer the employer will automatically deduct CPP contributions that gets paid to the federal government. Mm. CPP criteria for the most part would be you have must have contributed sufficiently, must have made sufficient contributions to the plan um, for out of the past six years and I think there's another one when it relates to somebody who may have qualified or have contributed for a period of 25 years but they're going to be looking at the financial contribution If you've satisfied that then they look at the medical one and this is the important one so the definition for CPP disability benefits you must have an illness or a condition that is number one severe number two prolonged and number three that prevents you from engaging in any gainful occupation so Oftentimes, it can be deemed to be similar to the any occupation phase in your policy, your group policy, which may require that you have to prove you cannot perform the essential duties of any other occupation for which you've got the transferable skill sets that would pay you roughly the same as your LTD benefit amount. Going back to the CPP one, severe means, obviously, that you cannot work. Prolonged means that it probably has been in place for a year or longer, and that there are no other medical treatments available that may provide some relief or some improvement. That's what they often do. I see cases denied sometimes, even though it has been severe and it has been prolonged, that service canada, the, the adjudication person, may say, well, we see that there are some other medications or other treatments that you can try, therefore do that before we can decide whether it actually is prolonged and severe. So. It is uh, There is this expectation or there's uh, this impression, I suppose, that is very difficult to get it. If your doctor is on board to support that you cannot work in any occupation, the doctor's medical report is going to be key when the doctor addresses your capacity to work in another occupation. Like with disability claims to insurance companies, the doctor will have to indicate what your restrictions and limitations are, what treatments you've had, what your prognosis is. Are you able to return to work in the future in some other occupation? Um, But that generally I I see cases approved more so than denied I think. Um, But there is an appeal process and we'll speak about that in a minute. But the impression that all of them get denied immediately in my experience has not been true at least with uh, the clients who I
1: represent. Again, email address, which we're going to get to here uh, very shortly, get to some email. Martin will answer them, it is help at disabilityrights.ca. Um, how about that denial? If I get denied CPP disability, what well, happens then?
2: So you're going to get a letter from the adjudication person uh, from Service Canada, and they're going to say to you that you've been denied, either because you may not have sufficient contributions or because of the medical. The medical is more so the issue. If, because if you don't have sufficient contributions, then I suppose you don't. But with the medical, with that letter, there's going to be, I believe, another form setting out that if you disagree, you've got 90 days to appeal, which I advise everybody, if your claim is denied, do appeal, and make sure that you do it within the time frame laid out in the letter. Then you can go back to your doctor, and you can have a discussion with your doctor, show the doctor the letter why you were denied, and have a discussion with the doctor as to how you can appeal. We also do CPP disability um now and again, but you know, have that discussion with the doctor and see where that goes. Um, The doctor can write a letter, maybe you want to speak to your other treatment providers and submit that appeal and if it is denied again, you can appeal again and then it ends up in front of some tribunal. But the insurance companies for the most part will be pushing that you appeal the decision because again, it is in their financial interest as well.
1: So, as opposed to long-term disability denial and appeal, this appeal you actually should do. This is one you should go for.
2: This probably is one you should do. It is in your interest as well, I would think, Um, because if you don't do it and you're out of time, I'm not sure whether there is another recourse. There may be, but with CPP disability benefits, it likely is
1: a good idea to appeal. If I stopped working years ago, Martin, can I still apply for it?
2: Very good question and, uh, you know, many people don't know about this. There is something called a late applicant provision. So if you apply for CPP disability benefits, you're going to apply when you've been off work for a while. The way it works is from the date of application, if your claim is approved, it is going to be payable 11 months retroactively. So, for example, if you stop working in 2020 and you apply now and your claim is approved with the disability date being 2020, The benefit is retroactive 11 months and then you get your monthly benefit moving forward. But if you didn't know about CPP disability, you became disabled in 2016 for example and you've been continuously disabled, you may still want to apply under the late applicant provision. But the catch is it's still going to be retroactive 11 months from the date of application. So it's not going to go back to 2016, right. but if it is approved and you can prove continuous disability from that date, in other words from 2016 onwards, continuous, then you may have a claim and it may be payable, but with that caveat that it's not going to go back. It's only going to go back 11 months. So that is a good idea to look into that for anybody listening if you haven't applied and there is a need to apply and you think you're out of time maybe contact service Canada and have that discussion with them
1: we always talk about on the show martin when it comes to long-term disabilities that change of definition you know usually at the two-year mark something happens you know the own occupation and it, it goes forth from there does cppd also have a change of definition or once you're in the loop they just let you go what do you think
2: that's a good question you know what it does come up every now and again um, the definition that I mentioned earlier, that you must show that you have a condition that is severe and prolonged to the extent yep. that you cannot engage in any gain for occupation, that in itself tells you there's no definition changed from own occupation to any occupation. It's already any gain for occupation. So no, there is no change of definition.
1: So it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty good safety net at that point. I mean, you're if you, if you uh, apply and you meet the threshold to uh, to obtain it, right?
2: It is, because once that, that's been approved, um, they've accepted that you cannot work in any gainful occupation. Now, of course, the question often is what does gainful occupation mean? Yeah, I believe right. under CPP, disability benefit criteria, you can earn a certain amount of money, which is really little. I think it's just under 5500 or a little bit more per year and still qualify, but it, it, it's not a lot. But whether that means gainful for is a different discussion.
1: We'll continue that uh, chat about CPP and the definitions and what you need to know about it, because it is a good thing uh, overall when you look at it. But we'll take a short break and get back to that. In the meantime, that number to reach out to, uh, Martin, anytime, one 855 fifty nine hundred. help at disabilityrights.ca
0: as well. We'll continue with more of the disability law show. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of chorus entertainment.
1: You betcha back with the disability law show. Martin Willems is the guy you want to reach out to anytime at the firm. He's got all the answers to your questions. And always ready for a chat on your own time. Won't cost you a thing just to pick up a phone. 1-855-821-5900. Email help at disabilityrights.ca. And anytime you want to ask any questions that come to mind, there's another website built just to do that. It's anonymous. It's free, of course, called My Disability Questions. All one word, My Disability Questions. Dot com. Uh, Martin, let's continue. I love this CPP uh, disability topic because a lot of people don't know they qualify for it and, and the benefits of it. Uh, we mentioned that there's no real change of definition. Again, looking back to the criteria of long-term disability. Same thing with long-term disability as well. Do I have to continuously prove entitlement to CPP like I have to with LTD? They're going to keep knocking on your door or what?
2: So, with a long term disability claim, you experience that the case manager may be in contact with you on a regular basis because mm-hmm. they continue to adjudicate whether you remain entitled to benefits. So, they may phone you, they may have you assessed during the period that you are on claim by one of their doctors or independent medical examination, I suppose. Um, and then there's the change of definition, but they will continuously be involved in your claim. CPP disability benefits, from my experience, is not the same. Once you've been approved, I think that's fairly mandatory, or not mandatory, that's generally how things are going to go. You're going to receive your monthly benefit unless you advise Service Canada that you no longer are disabled and you're going to go back to work. Um, I don't think they have the capacity to keep monitoring everybody who is on CPPD. I have though seen cases where now and this is more in the minority, where the case manager or the adjudicator may say, Well, we're going to reassess in five years. Something like that. But it is not a ongoing monthly monitoring as you have with private insurance claims.
1: Insurance claims, long term disability, usually the threshold is sixty five, that's a cutoff point they'll be they'll be sniffing around that time. Can I still apply for CPBD if I'm sixty? How about that?
2: That's another good question. Um, CPP disability benefits are payable to the age of 65 then they transition into regular CPP. So some people have said to me I don't want to apply for CPP disability because I'm turning 60 next month and then I'm going to apply for CPP. You can apply for CPP disability as I say it's payable to the age of 65. You can also have that discussion with Service Canada because my impression and my understanding is if you apply for CPP earlier then it's going to be regular CPP. So at the age of 60 is going to be reduced. But CPP disability benefits is based on your contributions, right? So it, it, it's, there's a maximum every year. And I think this is a worthwhile discussion to have as well. Mm-hmm. CPP disability benefits is based on your insured earnings. So you, you, you're making contributions every year based on the income that you're making that year it goes up to a maximum and every year the CPP disability benefit increases through a cost-of-living adjustment so it may be at the low end whatever their basic amount is and at the high end it may be up to about just close to $1,500 which is not a small amount of money in the context of where others may be receiving $1,000 or $900 so if you do qualify because of your sufficient contributions for a $1500 benefit amount for CPPD CPP disability benefit right then it might make more sense to apply for that versus an early CPP regular plan because that may pay you less so Yes, you can still apply at the age of sixty. You can apply at any age, really, um, but it's payable to the age of sixty-five, and then transitions into regular. CPPD. Would
1: would you say, based on what we've talked about over the last twenty minutes, that CPP disability overall is a good thing? I mean, you know, you you have mentioned that the insurance company is going to tell you to apply anyway, and if you don't, they're going to estimate. So, but it's also a good form of income if you end up getting cut off your long term. You're still going to have CPPD coming in, correct? So it's a good thing. <laughs>
2: That is a good thing in that context. I know some people get very worked up because um, why should they apply? And I understand that from some angle. Why should the insurance company get the benefit of that as a deduction? But the policies are written in such a way. And And it's not that it's just one or two. I would say the vast, vast majority of policies, group policies, do provide that CPP disability benefits and others like WCB benefits, WorkSafe right. benefits are also offset. So if you do apply, yes the insurance company can deduct it but you're, you're right John, if the insurance company denies your LTD claim then at least you still have your CPP disability. And another thing I suppose I can add to that, if you have children, CPP right. disability may provide something called a child benefit. Um, it depends, of course, on how old, what what their ages are, um, and how reliant they are on you if they're beyond a certain age, if they're at university, for example, but there are those benefits available to parents as well, which m- might be another 250 or $300 per child. I d- I'm not quite sure what the actual amount is. Now, that becomes a, a, a grey area as to whether the insurance company can deduct a child benefit as well. For the most part, under what is called direct offsets, the insurance company should not be able to do so unless the policy says they can. But generally they don't. There's something called indirect offsets where that may become a more live discussion. But again, it's money that you're going to receive if the insurance company denies your claim, you'll continue to receive that.
1: Let's move on to our emails as promised. Help at disabilityrights.ca is how you reach out and uh, maybe get your email read on air. Going to get answered anyway, but it might appear on this show. First one says, uh, Martin, can the insurance company force me to return to a job I did 15 years ago by stating I can now work in the any occupation phase of the policy? I've been a laborer for the past 15 years, and prior to that, I had worked for 10 months in an office environment doing admin work. I specifically left that job as I have uh, ADD and could not focus or concentrate on paperwork this is stressful
2: you know what's happening here is based on some of the discussion that we've already had when you are on claim with an insurance company and they're paying you the long-term disability benefit for the own occupation period you approach the any occupation period which may be two years sometimes it may be 12 months for the most part it's two years the insurance company then is going to look at do you have a condition that's going to prevent you from working in another occupation that would um, that you would be capable of doing based on your education, your training experience, and that would pay you roughly the same as your LTD benefit amount? So looking specifically at this question, for somebody who has been working in a labor-intensive job. Now being suggested that you can go back and do a job that you did 15 years ago for a period of 10 months when you have other issues why you cannot do that, I think becomes a real questionable decision on the part of the insurance company. I see cases like this all the time. Many cases get denied at the change of definition mark where the insurance company may do something called a transferable skills analysis. They will look at your education, your training, your experience. Did you do other types of work during your working career? And then sometimes just to decide, well, we think that you can go back to do that because that fits within your medical restrictions and limitations. It is always a stressful time for people when this happens because their benefits may be cut off when they're not in a position to return to work in their own or any other occupation. Look, you have to look at these things also in the real world context. The policies do provide that the availability of work is not a consideration but you must have at least the transferable skills to do so. The fact that you did 10 months of work 15 years ago, does that now mean that you can do it today when things have changed so much? And also because you may still have restrictions and limitations that would prevent you from doing so. So is there anything that you can do? Yes. Reach out to our firm. We offer free consultations where we do review the policies, we will review the denial letters, and we review your specific individual circumstances. And then we have a discussion with you about what options are available to you. And there may be more than one. Generally when we get involved, we pursue a legal claim and we take over all communications with the insurance company. So you can focus on your treatment, getting better, and not having to have the stress of having to deal with the insurer at your end. So if you do have concerns and if they do push you and they're going to deny your claim on this basis, don't waste any time because there are time limits applicable to denials, reach out to us, we can offer you that free consultation. And as we say all the time, we work throughout Canada other than in Quebec and the territories. So, And we've got a bunch of people working on these files, right? So if you phone us, we'll set you up with a lawyer who does handle long-term disability claims and who can give you an informed opinion as to your options.
1: Again, there's the email, but reach out now with a phone call, as Martin says, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 5900 Going down the pile, pal. Next one says, guys, uh, how likely is it that I will be approved for LTD with a diagnosis of fibromyalgia? I find many people to be uh, s- uh, skeptical about the diagnosis, but for me, it has profoundly affected my life to the point that I cannot function at home and work. What do you think?
2: You know, this this is a such a situation because I've I, I agree with the premise that a diagnosis that is deemed to be invisible or subjective, which we see a lot, fibromyalgia is one of them, myalgic encephalitis or chronic fatigue syndrome is another one, um, chronic pain when you cannot see the disability on or the condition at least, on an MRI or a CT scan, and many mental health disorders like depression, anxiety, they're all deemed to be based on what you are telling the doctor, what you are saying you are experiencing. You cannot see it on the MRI, you cannot see it on the CT scan. So sometimes you would have family members say, well, really, just just suck it up, get off the couch, go to work. How tired can you really be? And then that translates into the larger community where you sometimes have doctors You may also feel skeptical about this and insurance companies and sometimes judges. So it is a difficult thing to navigate but let's be 100% clear about this. These conditions are real, right? They affect people and they can affect people profoundly. Fibromyalgia is a diagnosis often by exclusion but it is a valid diagnosis. The consequences of having this diagnosis may be that you have diffuse body pain. It may lead into brain fog. It may lead into other conditions like anxiety and depression. So the fact that there is this perception maybe with some people that these conditions are not real and how bad could it be if you have it, ignore that because there is a valid claim. The per- Disability policies, group policies at least, do not differentiate on these conditions. You have to prove that you cannot work in your occupation because of a condition or an illness. Fibromyalgia definitely qualifies under those. You have to indicate what your restrictions and limitations are. So in this case, if you do have fibromyalgia, if your doctor supports that you cannot work, it sounds like the doctor does because your condition has been so profoundly affecting your life at home and work, go have that discussion with the doctor, whether the doctor will support you. Apply for LTD or benefits if you have them. Make sure that the doctor details what your restrictions and limitations are. If you have other treatment providers, maybe they can add to this as well. And most importantly, if the insurance company denies your claim, like I said with the previous question, reach out to us because I can tell you each lawyer in this firm has had a diagnosis or a client who has had a diagnosis of fibromyalgia. I've had many. I've got many clients who have subjective conditions. They are just as valid as others. And we fight for our clients to get what is right for them.
1: And with that, we'll get into our uh, short break here. Martin doing a, a fantastic job uh, answering these emails. And again, once you've reached out through email, if you still want to have that further chat, make the phone call. Just have a chat like we discussed here on the radio it would be uh, any time good for you to do. So 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca is the email. And then if you want to do a bit of your own reading on your own time, really simple to navigate, uh, short, concise memos all about LTD and our topic weekly here on the show, LTD FAQ is that website. Back to the emails here on the Disability Law Show
0: in a moment. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: Hey, hey, we're back. Disability Law Show. Martin Willems is your guy with uh, Sam Firu to market. Reach out anytime. Martin's uh, always good on the phone and through email as well. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 821 Help at disabilityrights.ca. Next email. Guys, love the show. Thank you for doing it. Here's my question. I've been on LTD for just under three years for mental health issues. Two questions. Actually, one, I have not been laid off or terminated by my employer. They obviously owe me severance pay. Does my severance still accrue as long as I'm technically still apl- uh, employed I on LTD? Number two, is it automatic to get the cost of living increase? I've questioned my insurer and their answer is uh, not in the policy. What do you think? Okay. So,
2: two questions on LTD for just under three years, um, still employed, in other words, the employment relationship has not been terminated, and there's a question on, uh, as to whether severance is payable. I think the person is assuming that severance is payable. Um, we're in a fortunate position at my firm, at San Fiorito American, where we have both employment lawyers and disability lawyers. Uh, you don't get that often. so. In this, I'm I'm a disability lawyer, I don't really weigh into the employment side of things, so I would highly recommend that you reach out to our firm and request to be set up with an employment lawyer to answer that question for you. Um, If there is a termination, you would want to know what your rights are. And again, like with the LTD cases, we offer consultations. So please reach out to us and one of the employment lawyers can respond to that question. Second question is... Is it automatic to get cost of living increases? Uh, I've questioned my insurer and the answer was it's not in the policy. So, no, it is not automatic. You don't automatically get a cost of living allowance. In short, it's called a COLA, Mm C-O-L-A. The policy has to provide that a COLA is included in the coverage. What that means is if you have a group insurance policy, Your employer will have negotiated with the insurance company to purchase the policy and what benefits you can get under that. Obviously you are getting your long term disability, but is there a cost of living allowance that was purchased in addition to the coverage itself? Some of them have it in, some don't. If the policy does not provide for a cost of living allowance, in other words, it increases every year depending on the CPI index or a certain percentage defined in the policy then no you're not going to get a cost of living allowance it is key therefore to look at what does the policy provide for and to anybody else listening here if you've got questions about you know i suppose cola what offsets there would be how does my benefit get calculated Request a copy of your policy because that's the first thing that we all go to. That policy is a contract and the contract sets out your rights and obligations, not just at your end but also on the part of the insurance company. What are their rights and obligations? What are your rights and obligations? And what other provisions are there in the policy? I always turn to the contract and in many cases when I argue and advocate on behalf of my clients, I go to the contract and use the contract to refute what the insurance company is saying. So that document is key in any disability claim.
1: Moving on to the next one. we got so many to get through here, Martin, with uh, limited time, but uh, we'll keep it going. Next question is this. I've been watching the show on TV as well, by the way, uh, disabilityrights.ca if you want a, uh, more details on how to do that, radio shows and TV alike. Been watching the show and hope this topic came up so I would not have to harass you with this question. When an individual has been placed on maintenance by the insurance company after years on LTD, will they ever offer a buyout of the LTD payments? I'm aware they will pay LTD payments monthly until the age of 65, but with Will and can the insurance company buy an individual out? This is an interesting question. It
2: is an interesting question. So go back to my earlier, to my answer on the previous question. The contract, the policy is a contract. Mm -hmm. Your entitlement is a monthly benefit. So first things first, when this person says, I'm aware they will pay LTD benefits monthly until the age of 65, that is in theory correct if you continue to prove that you will receive, that you are disabled under the terms of the policy to the age of 65 because they may cut you off again or cut you off if they decide that that's not the case. So it's not a foregone conclusion that benefits will be paid to the age of 65. Will the insurance company offer to you a buyout? Now for those who listen to this and don't understand what that means is a buyout may be we think that say you're 50 years of age, we're looking at. The, your disability, your benefit amount, and we think that this is going to be an ongoing thing. So at the end of the insurance company, they may make a cost-benefit analysis and may decide to offer you a one-time payment whereby if you accept it, that is it. You're not going to get benefits to the age of 65. They've offered you this one-time benefit, which may you know, present a few years of benefits into the future. Will the insurance company do that? I don't know. Is it possible? Yes, it is. Um, Is there any duty on the insurance company to offer that to you? No, there is not. Your entitlement is a monthly benefit. I will say this, that in denied disability claims, when we pursue a legal claim, that often is the result, um, because it is something that can be negotiated. But your entitlement is monthly. If there is no denial, will they offer this to you at some point? If they believe it is in their financial interest, they likely will but it's impossible to say at this point
1: now the, the whole bio thing the, the, you don't want to do it the other way you don't want to go asking for it do you because that could uh, that could put an unwanted spotlight on you wouldn't it
2: that's such a good point John because if you do do that and you know I, I have to be careful here to say to people don't do this but you run the risk that if you do do that that the insurance company is gonna say oh okay why is that happening what, right. what do you want to do here and um, what what maybe there are some plans to do something else in the future, right? So, it's it's a it's a thin ice question. It's a slippery slope question. <laughs> yeah. um, do, do you do that? Do you not do that? I think you really have to consider your personal circumstances and whether you want to open that Pandora's box.
1: With that, we'll take one final break, guys. Get into more of your emails. Thank you so much for filling out the inbox. We'll get through as many as we can every week on the show. And beyond that, to help at disabilityrights.ca. And the phone number to reach Martin and his team, one 821 5900 More of the Disability Law Show is just ahead. Hang on.
0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: You betcha back. Disability Law Show continues. Martin Willems will be your guy when the show is done, and any time for that matter, to reach out to with your own questions. Maybe something you want to ask. uh... You know, directly on a phone line. You can do that, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, 821 5900 or use the email route, which we've been reading from for the last uh, 45 minutes or so. Help at disabilityrights.ca is how you send along your emails. Next one. Martin, am I permitted to read or at least receive copies of the medical reports written by the insurance company's doctors? I would hope so, right? This
2: is an interesting question. Um, so if it means medical reports written by in-house doctors employed by the insurance companies, mm-hmm. or does it mean the insurance company sent me for what is called an independent medical examination, and then they received a report from that doctor? My my response probably to both would be uh, the same, but th- remember there are the two different ones. When you submit a claim to the insurance company, the insurance company may say, okay, we've gonna we're gonna have the the file and the medical records and potentially any reports that your doctors have provided to us reviewed by one of our medical consultants, which means that they may have a doctor on, you know, on retainer, and that right. doctor reviews it, or they may send you for an examination with some, a third party, a doctor that is not employed but is paid, ultimately, by the insurance company to do an independent medical examination. I have seen cases where the insurance company would say, you are not entitled to a copy of the IME report um, because we paid for it or we cannot provide it to you, you are entitled to a copy of your claims file. You can request the entire copy of your claims file and in that claims file there should be the doctor's reports. If it is an IME report that has been authored by some other doctor but has been provided to the insurance company and they're relying on it. For example, they may say our doctor says you should be taking this medication or our doctor says that within a few months you should be able to go back to work with just this type of therapy you would want to get a copy of that report and insist if they don't want to provide it to you that they provide the report to your treating doctor. And then you go in to see that doctor, your doctor, and discuss the contents of that report because if they're doing that, they likely will be relying on that report to cut your benefits off. Hmm. And you would want your doctor to be in a position to review their doctor's opinion so that your doctor is in a position to assist you if there's going to be a legal claim further down the line or if you're going to take some other option that your doctor is in an informed position to rebut what those doctors say in order to protect your entitlement to benefits so the short answer is yes you should be able to read them and you can also file a freedom of information request to get a copy of your file from the insurance company
1: quick email here quick question says uh, martin does the insurer have the right to lower my disability payments
2: if it, the question is, does the insurance company have the right to deduct other benefits that I'm receiving from other sources, it depends on the wording of the policy. The whole discussion today started with CPP disability benefits, so those are called offsets. There are also other offsets, generally, in a long-term disability policy, like WorkSafe benefit claims, um, certain other benefits that you may receive from other government entities, Um, severance sometimes it depends on the language of the policy so if we're speaking about can the insurance company deduct other benefits yes but it depends on what the policy says to what extent they can do that if it is can they just mandatory reduce your benefits no they should not be able to do so unless there was some error in the calculation of your long-term disability benefits for example if the insurance company was provided information that your income was higher than it actually was so i would want to know more about what your particular circumstances are but as a general rule no the insurance company should definitely not be able to simply unilaterally lower your disability payments other than offsets under the policy
1: See if we get to uh, one or two more here with the remaining Time. Uh, Guys, I'm on LTD for mental health issues. My group policy has a one-year change in definition, which takes place for me at the end of August. So it's coming up. The insurer said that my LTD is approved past the change over date, but was not specific. Is there anything I need to know or need to do now to protect myself? I'm certain that the insurer will start putting pressure once the change kicks in, change of definition kicks in. Thank you so much.
2: Well, it seems that it is approaching very quickly because we're there. Um, it, it says, the insurer said that my LTE is approved past the change over date but was not specific. So generally the insurance company should send you a letter to confirm that your claim has now been approved into the any occupation phase and they'll say that they'll continue to monitor your claim. Because once you're in the any occupation phase, if there is no improvement in your condition, there should be no reason for the insurance company to deny your claim. Of course, you should still be seeing your doctor on a regular basis and follow through with recommended treatment advice. But if there is no improvement, why on earth would they be allowed to deny, not allowed to, but why on earth, on what basis would they then deny your claim? What can you do in the meantime? Well, if they've approved it beyond the change of definition, You have to make sure you do everything at your end correctly. And that would be continue to see the doctor on a regular basis, continue to report to the doctor your ongoing struggles in terms of your restrictions and limitations, and follow through with your doctor's treatment advice. Because sometimes, and I've seen this happen, Mm -hmm. an insurance company may pay a claim for a number of years, a very, how how should I phrase it, a very energetic, proactive case manager. gets um, conduct of the file and thinks well maybe we're going to take a little bit of a different approach here and then starts to scrutinize the claim and take uh, more problematic positions if I can call it that. So at your end, protect yourself by doing the things that you are required to do under the policy. And again that is, see the doctor regularly, follow through with treatment advice. And if the insurance company does deny your claim, like I say with everything, phone us and we can review it with you to see what your options are.
1: Let me get this last quick one in here under the uh, under the two minute wire pal says uh, Martin if I return to work and find that I can't manage can I go off work again and have my claim reopened?
2: The simple answer would be yes but it depends on how long you've been back at work. Most policies have something called a recurrence provision yep. so if you go back to work for a year and you've been back full-time and then want to go off again that likely will be a new claim you have to be careful though that you don't work yourself out of a claim make sure that you continue to work the minimum scheduled hours in order to maintain coverage so make sure again like with the, uh, like I said with the previous question you get a copy of that policy and then have somebody review the policy with you so you understand what the criteria would be in order to have the claim reopened you also don't want to just you know go back to work and then get your condition to go worse. So make you have your doctor be on board. Make sure you have your doctor on board. If you do engage in a return to work, make sure you see your doctor regularly during that period so the doctor can note if there is any worsening. And if you want to know what your rights are under the policy, get the policy and then get back to us so we can review it with you because the recurrence provision is something that is in most policies but it has certain timelines and we would want to know what that is.
1: And with that, we are going to wrap it up for this show. Thank you so much for your contributions on emails. They were stellar. Keep them coming because uh, Martin and his team answer them even when we're not doing the show, right? How do you send it over? Help at disabilityrights.ca. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Phone number anytime, one 821 5900 And for any other questions, you can use my mydisabilityquestions.com. And we'll talk to you next time on the Disability Law Show. Enjoy your weekend.
0: The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guest on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.